As businesses continue their drive towards digital transformation, it has become increasingly vital for them to embrace new tools, tactics, and technologies. One of the fastest growing segments in enterprise software is robotic process automation. In fact, a survey from Futurum Research suggests that 95% of organizations anticipate enterprise-wide RPA implementations within the next three years. But how does an organization prepare for RPA? What's the necessary mindset, organizational structure, and culture does a company need to cultivate in order to successfully embrace this emerging technology? Our guest for today shares her insights on how robotic process automation can enable digital transformation. She lays down the facts and disproves misconceptions around RPA, discusses the current challenges associated with its adoption, and shares some advice on how organizations can develop a culture of automation. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails, a podcast by Toro Cloud. Here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. All right, joining us all the way from Australia is Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Hi, David. How are you doing? Good morning, Kevin. I'm well, thanks. All right, fantastic. And our guest for today is one of the founding members and lead analyst at Futurum Research, an independent research analysis and advisory firm. She's also the CEO and founder of V3 Broadsuite and the president of the Broadsuite Media Group. A serial entrepreneur with a technology-centric focus, she has worked with some of the world's largest brands to help them embrace disruption and the reality of the connected customer and to successfully understand and navigate the process of digital transformation. She has been recognized as an influential expert on hybrid cloud, digital transformation, the future of work, internet of things, cloud, and big data. She was also recognized for her expertise as one of the top influencers in B2B marketing and is a regular on the conference suite. She joins us today for a round of cocktails. Ladies and gentlemen, Shelly Kramer. Hi, Shelly. Great to have you on the podcast. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. And there's nothing worse than suffering through the reading of your way too long bio. <laughs> no, it's it, it's a fantastic intro and it tells us, of uh, of course, who you are. And well, you know, it's it's you. <laughs> it's what makes you you. All I right. know. Okay. So uh, we want to dive right in into the questions. Uh, but before we talk about uh, the topic of this podcast, which is robotic process automation, can you tell us what led you to start Futurum Research? What was your goal in founding it? And how does your team come up with your insights, reports, and predictions? Well, um, I think it's probably better to tell you that. Um, so I'm a, I'm a marketing brand strategist and started my marketing consulting agency 20 plus years ago. And, um, and we also have, I have a partner in that business and we also have a media business that's a sister company. And we started Futurum Research about six years ago because we were very focused in the digital transformation space. And we've actually been working with clients, helping them digitally transform before the buzzword digital transformation was coined. So we've been elbows deep in actually navigating digital transformation with our clients for a decade or more. 
and we saw um, we saw that there was a dearth of um, research and analyst firms focusing solely on digital transformation. And so that's what we wanted to do and to bring our expertise. And, and um, you know, there's, of course, the Gartners and the Foresters and the IDCs of the world. And um, our small little um, research company has very much flourished in the last five or six years. And our clients today are pretty much all of the players in big tech. And so if you can think of a big technology company, we're working with them. So, um, you know, and as it relates to how we come up with what we do, um, well, you know, we have our fingers on the pulse of what's going on in the technology industry across, you know, every industry, across every vertical. Um, you know, we're very, very familiar with all of the different technology out there as well as you know what's on there what's now and what's next and um you know we do original research we work um on projects with our many technology clients on specific um, topics that they want insights on and so we might do original research for them and we do a lot of writing of articles and market insight reports um as well as doing a ton of um, webcasts and podcasts, interviewing, talking with industry leaders, uh, talking with our own team about you know what we see happening in the industry. So um, we don't really come up with stuff; we just cover the industry. Yeah, and, and actually, you also produced that digital transformation index as an annual publication, and we did. The latest one is the uh, still the two. 2020 edition, which obviously would have been uh, significantly impacted by the pandemic. Uh, in fact, I, I was reading in that that uh, publication that you actually had to update it during the publication of it because it all occurred, you know, simultaneously with the completion of that report. Um, yeah. One of the key uh, statistics that jumped out to me was that. 88% of the servational mindset regarding technology business processes had changed as a result of the pandemic. Is that the most significant change you saw between those annual reports is mindset had totally changed something. We have to do something and we need to do it now, as opposed to like a, a plan for the future. It was like, okay, let's execute now. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, we've talked about this a lot in the industry in general. And I think that, you know, even when we were just a few months into the pandemic, you know, we started hearing the term, you know, two years worth of transformation in a handful of months time. And that's truly, um, you know, as overused as that phrase became, but that truly is what happened. And, you know, not only did we find this in our own research for our digital transformation index, we've done quite a, a bunch of research with a number of brands during the course of the last year. And some of it has been, um, you know, we might've done, uh, we did a, a really extensive um, research study for SAS on, um, on customer experience. And it's called uh, Experience 2030, the future of customer experiences now. And we interviewed for that piece of original research, we interviewed 4,000 people and 2,000 from the brand side, 2,000 from the consumer side, just getting their thoughts on um, their expectations, their concerns, um, you know, privacy issues, loyalty, um, just all different things relating to customer experience, customer service, um, what they expect 
expected, what they expected in the future. Um, and what SAS did, uh, and that that research came out before the pandemic happened. And then what SAS did, like many brands, is they went in after after we were already, you know, navigating the pandemic, and they did, uh, you know, an updated pulse survey to kind of see, you know, what had changed and. And again, that was one of a handful of clients that we had do the exact same thing. You know, we have we have data here <laughs> that tells us what they were thinking, but that doesn't really do you any good when you're over here, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. So it really is important to know, you know, sort of what has changed. And so what we found is that, you know, people cannot, um, they realize they can no longer wait. And whether it's migrating to cloud, getting, you know, getting rid of legacy systems, whether it's embracing automation, um, whether it's understanding the importance of um, video conferencing and unified communication systems throughout the organization. And, um, you know, and also the reality of uh, dealing with a distributed workforce and the infrastructure that's needed and the security that's needed and all the things that changed as a result of a pandemic. So um, so what we found is that across the board, people realized that, you know, you can't have this as a line item and something that we're going to tackle in 2023. What happened was, you know, we had this massive occurrence. As a result, we had a massive shift to you know, employees working remotely and all of the things that went along with that and then having to serve customers um, either remotely or serve customers in a way that was different than we had before. And so what we found is a really big shift and it wasn't something that, you know, that you, if you wanted your business to stay alive, regardless of, of what your business was or the size of your business, you know, everybody had to shift and everybody had to learn um, the importance of being agile and embracing technology that could actually help power the business. And like you said, you, you were uh, preaching digital transformation well before the term was invented. Right. Um, and, uh, but we had this uh, enormous shift over the last 12 months or so. Was the experience of that shift largely in line with your ex- previous experience and what you'd been predicting or were there some things that you were unexpected even for you and some learnings for you uh, with your um, you know, cons- uh, customers experiences you know I don't think we have a team of six analysts and we talk about this often I don't really think that there was anything that happened that surprised us um, you know again we've been preaching this gospel for a very very long time and many times you know our surveys have shown um i'm I'm stopping to think about you know we've really seen a shift from um ownership of digital transformation within an organization being solely owned to um being owned in part by the ceo and senior leaders and in many ways that's where we see the most success when it comes to digital transformation because you know it really is it requires a cultural shift it requires embracing um, a culture of data a culture of innovation a culture of continuous learning a culture of understanding the importance of um, change and and the fact that 
digital transformation is a journey. It is not, it is not a destination. You will never be done. And, you know, we have seen um, over the course of the last decade, we've seen such advancements in technology and, and coming at such a rapid pace. And what I always say is that, you know, we, one thing we can promise for certain is that won't slow down. In fact, it's only going to speed up. And so it really is. Um, so I, we didn't really see anything that surprised us. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say there was anything that has happened in the last year that's really shocked people like us who are really immersed in the digital, digital transformation space. I guess that's a good thing. The, uh, the 2019 Automation Anywhere event uh, obviously had a large focus on automation and robotic process automation. Um, you described it as a transform transformative technology. Um, let's talk about a little bit about robotic process automation. Okay. Uh, how is it driving innovation? How do you see it being used? Well, RP is a really interesting thing. And, you know, one of the things that I, we talked about in some uh, some notes prior to this conversation is, is it really business process automation? Is it the same thing? I mean, I really think they're basically, you know, one and the same in many ways. Um, there are some differentiators, but, you know, basically what you're talking about when it comes to RPA is you're talking about looking throughout the processes that your team engages in and figuring out what can be automated. And some, you know, we have people in jobs who are doing, you know, move this over here, do this over here, you know, very mundane, very repeatable tasks that don't change from instance to instance. And we've been doing things like that for a very, very long time. When you can add RPA into the equation, it actually, you know, automates these processes, frees your employees from doing these mundane, repeatable tasks, and actually lets them focus on things that drive more business value, impact the bottom line more. And, um, you know, I think that an example that has come out of the pandemic has been um, for instance, in the banking and finance industries. And there have been some industries who have embraced RPA automation. Um, more quickly than other industries. One of them has been banking and finance. Um, a lot of transactions, a lot of repeatable tasks. And in the early days here in the United States, um, we had the um, payroll protection plan that was a government plan that rolled out that provided um, either short-term loans or forgivable loans to businesses. And so, you know, businesses of every size were rapidly, you know, contacting their banks, figuring out how they could apply, trying to do everything they needed to do. And by the way, these banks and financial institutions were weathering a pandemic in just the same way everyone else was, and that all of their people were working from home. And so what, what we saw was an Im increased use of automation so that those, those uh, tsunamis of applications that were flooding in could quickly be processed. And those people who were desperate literally desperate for funds to keep their businesses afloat and their families fed, um, were able to get the help that they need. And, and the same thing happened um, in the insurance industry, you know, and people were having to make health claims and that sort of thing. Um, so when you think about 
processes. And you think about, you know, another example of um, where our PA comes in especially helpful is in the mortgage process, you know, and anybody who's ever applied for a mortgage knows that it's just, um, but anybody who's ever applied for a mortgage knows that it's sometimes such an arduous process. And, you know, it's just like, it's, it's like a game. How many hoops can you jump over? And then you have to wait two weeks and, and, I remember this is a couple of years ago. I was at a media event um, covering Automation Anywhere, and it might have been around the time of that 2019 event. Um, but they were one of their customers was a mortgage company, and they were talking about how they had been able to shorten the application processing and approval pro- process from two weeks to seven minutes. And so when you think about that in the scheme of not only how we keep our customers happy and serve them, but how we free up our staff to do things that aren't slogging through the weeds. I mean, that to me is really pretty exciting. Yeah, it's actually, um, it's interesting. You talked a lot about processes there and uh, I see a lot of those processes you're talking about as long running processes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so processing an application at a financial institution is a, is a long-running process. And they were able to re- significantly reduce that long-running process, but as opposed to a short-running process, for example, of a finance or accounts receivable team processing an right. invoice. Right. Right. So uh, there's this distinction I would like to make between business process automation and robotic process automation. Is robotic process automation just a new, an acronym on something which has been around for a really long time and then technologies companies are trying to push it as a new innovation? Or is robotic process automation something which you associate with a robot, whether it's a chat bot or some sort of, you know, machine learning algorithm or some sort of robotic uh, back end? processing individual tasks or is it all the same thing? I think it's kind of all wrapped into the, um, I think it's all wrapped in under the umbrella of automation. And, you know, what you're seeing when you're taking um, mortgage applications and you're processing them, you've also got some intelligent automation that's at play there. Um, and, you know, the the very low, low, low hanging fruit of organizations is employing RPA in, in processes like um, invoicing and that sort of thing, just very short, that sort of thing. Um, or in customer service interactions where you can employ a chat bot to help, you know, get someone faster down the path to a resolution of a problem or um, in an HR process when someone wants something like, um, you know, what are my, how many vacation days do I have? Or how do I do this? Or how do I apply for this? You know, those sorts of things, you know, you can employ, you can employ RPA to help check those easy boxes. And then there's more complicated things as well. And we tend to refer to them as automation in general. And I don't really speak about, you know, I don't really think much about business process automation. I think that um, what what I think about is automation in general, and I think about RPA applications, and then I think about intelligent automation and how AI powered automation is really kind of a game changer. All right. Uh, let's take this time to address a misconception surrounding RPA. 
uh, in a report you published last year, it was stated there that if you're using RPA to reduce employee count or costs, you're missing the true value of RPA. So how should organizations be looking at how they're investing on with RPA? Well, I think that, um, you know, there is there is a perception that I believe is incorrect and that my, my team and I believe is incorrect um, about the fact that automation is coming for everyone's jobs. And the reality of it is in, in the best use case of automation, it's technology and humans working together. And, um, and that is, that's the beautiful magic that happens when you pair automation with humans. And, you know, is it true that in some instances, jobs will no longer be needed because automation can replace that particular job function? Sure. Does that necessarily mean that, you know, thousands and thousands of employees will be without jobs? No, absolutely not. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I love is talking with organizations. And we worked with many of the major players, whether it's Automation Anywhere, UiPath, Pegasystems, um, Clear Software is another one. Um, you know, one of the coolest things is to be able to talk to somebody who, uh, who at one point in time had a very ordinary average job, a, a job that was a job that was kind of a mundane, repeatable, easily automated job. And they, and they got the opportunity to learn, you know, how to work with RPA perhaps how to write their own code. Uh, and, and what I mean is, you know, no code, low code situations where you can write your own automation. So you don't have to be a software engineer to be able to develop your own automations. And, and what happens is so exciting because, you know, somebody is skeptical about how automation is going to change the process and the job. And then they see it and like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. What else can we do with this? You know, and then it's so exciting. And then what you have within organizations is that you you start having this cadre of citizen developers and citizen evangelists who are, are learning this and who are excited about it and who are experienced about it and then who are teaching others within the organization. These are the really cool things we could do. So now we start thinking as an organization about, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Well, if we could do this, then can we do this? And let's experiment with that. And that's what you want. You want I think you want, you know, your human capital is the the most valuable part of any organization is that the living, breathing, thinking, problem solving humans. And when they see the possibilities here, when they get a chance to experiment and then and then to me, what I love so much is hearing their stories and hearing them talk about the fact that I never thought I was going to have a job like this. You know, this is the coolest thing ever that I get to be able to help other people within our organization learn how to do this. Or, you know, my job became something I never dreamed it would be. And which is the exact opposite of automation ate my job and now I don't have one, you know? Yeah. And I guess 
you know, the, the same concerns were raised during the industrial revolution that, you know, uh, automation in industry was going to eat my job as well, like right. the manufacturing process. And now it's through digital transformation or robotic process automation is going to eat my job. But in actual fact, it's just freeing up people to do higher value tasks, more interesting and more rewarding, right. fulfilling tasks. And you, what you're saying is you're actually getting feedback from real people who actually have experienced that. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah. Interesting. So you look, you also said that one of the major challenges of adopting RPA is the ability to scale it beyond the initial use case. Are businesses too slow to realize the RPA's capabilities? Are they not equipped to take it to the next level? Or are they simply testing the waters at this point? What's your opinion? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is funny. And again, you know, our, our clients include many of the large players in the RPA space. And, and I have heard from them that, you know, it is very hard to get beyond a certain number of deployments within the enterprise. And it's just, sometimes it's just a matter of, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Do you ever get a new device and you think this device can do some kick-ass things? If only I would spend more time learning how to use it more effectively, (laughs) you know? And for all of the really cool things that I know how to do on my device, there's probably a hundred that I've just never made the time to learn because I haven't had the bandwidth. I haven't had you know, the desire to try or whatever. And I think that, you know, when you magnify that out, I think that's some of what happens, you know, people get busy, people get focused on things. People just don't think beyond the, you know, to me, what's most exciting is all of what's possible as it relates to intelligent automation. And, and, you know, AI powered intelligent automation is so amazing because it learns from you. And the more you use it, the more it learns, the more data you put in there, the more it has to really help, you know, and and you can have some really amazing real-time insights that help, help make really important business decisions. And so to me, um, you know, I don't know why you would want to slow down because it's kind of like once you get a taste of the crack, (laughs) you know, I don't want to go back to, to, you know, figuring out things on my own. So I think that, but I do know that that is a very real challenge with some of the biggest players in the automation space is just getting enterprises beyond that, those initial deployments and how do we scale it more broadly throughout the enterprise. And, you know, that's why we're also seeing though, we're seeing partnerships um, with organizations and, um, you know, big partnerships with organizations. And I think that I'm going to pull this out of my head. I'm thinking... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the wrong thing, but I'm thinking we're seeing huge partnerships like with um, Automation Anywhere and I can't remember who, but <laughs> that's terrible. But no, we're seeing huge partnerships with cloud providers, with automation providers, so that, uh, so that you know, the cloud provider, can, I think it's, uh, I think it's Google and, um, and Automation Anywhere. And so you've got, the sales team of the cloud service provider and you've who are selling automation services and then you've got the automation provide the you know the vendor who's also selling them so so it makes sense and so we're seeing part 
partnerships like this. Microsoft has made its um, its automation platform free um, to Windows 365 users. I mean, and Microsoft just basically threw down the gauntlet. It, and this was just announced in the last couple of, maybe in the last month. It was like, you know, and I viewed that, I wrote about that at the time. And I thought that that was really Microsoft taking the gloves off saying, we're not fooling around here. You know, we know the benefit of automation, no code, low code offerings. I mean, and we know what that can do. And by the way, if we can give you a taste of this for free, then we know that we're going to be able to sell you, this is what I think, we're going to be able to sell you, you know, more advanced um, AI-powered things in a not too long of time. So, so we're really seeing people, we're really seeing organizations ramp up their efforts as it relates to getting people familiar with and using RPA um, and I and I do think it's really to move them quicker along the path to more um, more advanced options. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and in our experience, like that initial use case is largely driven by a problem they're trying to to solve, and so they're engaging uh, RPA to solve a very particular uh, problem, which is painful for them at that point in time, in order right. to. Uh, roll it out beyond that initial use case really requires a culture within the organization, which is maybe driven from the top down to drive a culture of automation. You've talked this, talked about driving a culture of automation before. What can organizations do to embrace a culture of automation? Well, I, I don't think that it's any different than embracing a culture of, oh, I love that. I just saw a kid walk through the room. Um, I can't believe mine aren't in here saying what's for dinner, mom, um, because it's evening here. Um, you know, I think that there's no difference between creating a culture of automation than create, creating a culture that is conducive to facilitating digital transformation. It's about, you know, it's about being curious. It's about, uh, you know, fostering continuous learning and upskilling, you know, and um, upskilling is a tremendous, tremendous part of this. And, you know, looking at within your organization and how you can move people from here to having knowledge about how to use automation offerings and, um, and, you know, a, a culture of, you know, a data-driven culture, right? A customer-centric culture. All of these things are part of successful digital transformation. And automation is just one part of it. I mean, it's just one tiny part of it. But, um, you know, it's not like it's not like you can create a culture that fosters automation if you suck at all the other things, right? You know, it's really about having, you know, from the leadership on down, having an organization who understands that technology is the path forward. Maybe it's cloud, maybe it's automation, <laughs> you know, all, they're all different kinds of things, but this is the path forward and embracing this and being open to and, you know, excited about change and learning and experimentation and data and, you know, letting data tell us the stories of our success and taking care of our customers in the, in the most expeditious manner possible. And, you know, I think what we've, what we've learned, um, you know, I felt this way for a long time, but I, I feel like consumers, um, 
when it comes to consumers, you know, the way that we approach things are, you know, what have you done for me lately, David? You know, <laughs> like, you know, what is it that makes you irreplaceable in my life? You know, and and I tell the story. I was actually doing an interview yesterday with a, with someone, and um, you know, I was telling a story about my husband and I were buying a my I had a vehicle that was leased and it was coming off lease, and we were buying a vehicle. I hadn't bought a car in four years because I had a lease vehicle, and and my husband travels all the time. This is pre pandemic, and we what we were buying was kind of a little bit hard to find. And, and so we, we did find one and, and I was working with my bank who's been my bank for 20 years. And, you know, I run my business money through that bank and my personal money through that bank. And, you know, they know us, me and us very well. Um, and so we were trying to get a loan for this car and, one of the problems was that my husband was going to be gone. By the time they got the paperwork done, my husband was going to be gone and he wasn't going to be back until later in the week. And, um, and there was no part of this process that was easy. And I remember thinking like, this is so amazing that this is the conversation that we're having in today's day and age. And one of the things I wanted to, him to be able to do was like to sign the, the loan um, digitally or to, to do something by video conference or something else. And they were just pretty intractable. And so, um, so, and the challenge was he was leaving, the leased car was turned in. We have a couple of kids that need to be to school and things like that. And so it was really kind of figuring out how am I going to do this without a car? So it was sort of stressful. And um, the salesperson that we were working with said, you know what? let's try this bank. We work with them all the time and a big national brand bank. And they could not, they bent over backwards. That loan was done and signed in a day and he signed it remotely and they got, you know, our business. And there is every reason for me to continue to shift business to them because you know what they did? They made my life easy. You know what my bank did? They made my life difficult. <laughs> and it's interesting. Like, so yeah, the thing is, reality is, is uh, I was going to say customers uh, uh, are demanding, but it's not just customers, it's all stakeholders, right? Yeah. It's actually employees as well, yeah. right? So it's your business partners, it's your customers, it's your employees. Their expectations have changed and they are demanding, right? And so to survive in this world, it's not just about adopting the latest buzzword it's not just about you know cultural shift it's really a case of responding to the demands of these stakeholders well and understanding understanding that what they want matters you know I, I mean i think that that you know we have collectively we're both old enough that we've been held hostage for uh, some period of our lives over you know what david this is the way things are done <laughs> you know and but what's happening is that people are saying, we're not going to take it. Like, this doesn't have to be this complicated, you know, and whether it's, you know, investment apps that allow you to invest for yourself instead of working with a broker or just we're used to doing things and figuring out things ourselves because we have this internet machine in our hands 24-7, right? And, and we're smart, and, you know, in a conversation I was having with a client yesterday, we were talking about, you know, nobody gets up in the morning thinking, I can't wait to call customer service and sort out this problem that I have, right? Nobody does that. 
And, you know, what you think about is that you want to be able, I mean, we want to, the first thing we normally do is we go to a website. We have a problem. We go to a website. We want to figure it out. We want to sort it out and we want to be done with it. And so if your website is and the experience that you serve up there is not done in such a way that it really understands the customer journey and, and the customer challenges and that kind of thing, what you're doing is throwing, you know, big fat roadblocks in their way. And again, you know, cusp, you're making this so difficult for me. Chances are really pretty good that I can find this somewhere else and it won't be so difficult and it won't be hard for me to find that. And, and, and again, that's really where RPA and things like chat bots and, and things like that can make a big difference. And, um, you know, I'll never forget, it was a couple of years ago um, when, when the RPA conversation was a little bit early and a little bit new. And I had a, um, I, I had a subscription of something that I had gotten on Amazon that I didn't want anymore. And I kind of was like, oh, you know, I got to go figure out how to cancel because, you know, they, they generally speaking, not Amazon, but any company makes it really hard for you, generally speaking, to cancel something. Right. So I sort of ground, I'm like, oh God, this is going to be up. So, you know, I log into Amazon and I just do a quick search, you know, cancel a subscription and a chatbot pops up, a chatbot pops up, you know, here you want to cancel it. Here's your, and I, it was the most pleasant experience I've ever had at canceling something. And I thought, oh my God, well, of course, Amazon does this well, you know, I mean, but Amazon has been embracing, <laughs> you know, embracing a culture of innovation and transformation before most. And so, but it was, but when you have those experiences that are amazing experiences, four years later, I'm telling you about it. And I'm remembering the brand that served it up for me. Shirley, so interesting to talk to you today. Um, I know you have very active social profiles. Would you like to share them with our listeners so that they can uh, stay in touch with you with all your research and updates? Sure. You can find me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Shelly Kramer. And that's S-H-E-L-L-Y-K-R-A-M-E-R. And you can find me on LinkedIn by just doing a search for Shelly Kramer. Um, I, I am a, uh, early, an early adopter to all of the social platforms. So I can promise you that if you just went to Google and searched Shelly Kramer, you're going to find more of me than you ever want. But you can also check us out at Futurum Research. And um, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you today. Thank you so much, Shelly. All right, that's a wrap for another episode. To our listeners, what did you think of this talk? Let us know in the comments from any of the podcast platforms you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. Again, thank you very much for listening to us today. On behalf of the entire team at Toro Cloud, this has been Kevin Montalvo, for coding over cocktails. Cheers! <laughs>